Hi everyone, welcome back to International Relations 101 After the Lecture, a podcast by the Australian National University's International Relations Society. My name is Fiona Valentine and I am very excited to be joined by my guest today, Dr. Alain Saleh. Dr. Alain Saleh is a lecturer in Iranian studies at the ANU Center for Arab and Islamic Studies. Moreover, Dr. Saleh is a council member of the British Society for Middle Eastern Studies and reviews editor for the British Journal of Middle Eastern Studies. Dr. Saleh has also been engaged with policy practitioners and external professional bodies such as the UK Ministry of Defence, NATO and European Council on Foreign Relations. Additionally, he has consulted for Transparency, International Defence and Security, UNICEF and the BBC. Today's episode is about the Iran-China 25-year cooperation program, also dubbed the Sino-Iranian Comprehensive Strategic Partnership. The deal which was signed between China and Iran on 27th of March, 2021, will further develop Iran-China relations and is expected to boost their long-standing economic and political alliance. China is Iran's long-standing ally and one of its largest trading partners. The cooperation would cover a wide range of Chinese investments in Iran's most important sectors, including energy and infrastructure. It's the first long-term agreement of its type by Iran to be signed with a major world power and comes at a tough time for Iran's economy that's been devastated by US sanctions. How will the Sino-Iranian strategic partnership and China's increased involvement in the Middle East change the Middle East regional dynamics and alter the region's balance of power? Um, what we see is the, is the fast shifting in international power transition uh, and the move toward um, a rather deep pluralism in international system when several middle powers claim the rights and, and their uh, position in, in the new international order. This, this includes uh, the rise of uh, several global powers and, uh, of course, several uh, regional powers. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that the decline in the Western powers or United States as the only superpowers uh, position in international order. However, it, it uh, indicates the rise of uh, global powers, uh, which would uh, uh, challenge United States dominance and, and, and hegemony uh, globally. So uh, China's attempts to expand its influence and power across the globe has so far been by its very nature economically uh, rationalized. Uh, but this, this would, would change soon, especially when it comes to some key strategic regions such as the Middle East. And as a result, it's um, it, the China's uh, dream, uh, the Beijing calls it, uh, which has been adopted since the advent of 20th century, uh, and their willingness to, to play uh, and act globally uh, with greater assertiveness is, is emerging. So in this particular uh, historical phase, what we see is, is the China-Iran relationship uh, further strengthen Beijing's position in, in probably one of the most strategically important uh, region in the world, which is the Middle East, with particular focus on, on the Persian Gulf region. Um, and therefore, um, these uh, 25 years a comprehensive strategic relationship is aimed uh, at undermining and challenging the United States historical dominance in the region for many years to come. 
by China formally establishing this comprehensive strategic partnership with Iran, is China in effect positioning itself as the new great power in the Middle East, an attempt to shift the Middle East relations to the East and in turn send a message to Washington? Well, with these uh, fragmented global major and Middle East powers that are challenging US hegemony in different regions, including the Middle East, and again, with particular focus on the Persian Gulf region, what we are uh, observing is that also some other regional powers across the world, such as Turkey and Pakistan and India, are playing important roles in rewriting this uh, regional uh, security order or a regional security architecture. And those are more observant to the ongoing transformation of global international power between the United States and China, and to some extent, actually, Russia. Such deep and sustained power transition requires realliance making in some key regions. Um, uh, or sub-regional systems, such as, again, the South Asia and the Pacific region and the Persian Gulf and probably the Central Asia. And therefore, when it comes to Iran and the Persian Gulf region, however, what we see is this uh, realliance making. It's undermining and it's targeting United States uh, positioning in, in the region. This is particularly important since we are witnessing the United States increasing reluctance in, in engaging with some of the serious uh, regional issues. And therefore, the, the global rise of China and their uh, strengthening uh, footprints in the Persian Gulf inevitably uh, undermines the Western power and influence in the Middle East, indicating the probably what we may call it the post-Western international order in the Middle East, which has historically has been established by the United States in the past. So this is particularly important since it coincided with Iran's growing power in the Middle East since 2003, when a power vacuum occurred in the region uh, as a result of the United States' uh, miscalculated invasion of Iraq, which uh, enhanced Iran's influence in, in the region, followed by the so-called Arab Spring, which further expanded Iran's uh, influence in the region, which, uh, of course, uh, China can benefit from this position. Um, and also China can assure its, its uh, energy security that uh, comes from the region. Let's not forget that almost half of Chinese oil supplies comes from the Persian Gulf region. However, Beijing uh, attempts to diversify its source of energy security, not only from those countries such as Saudi Arabia, which is closely allied with the United States, but also with Iran, which is more ideologically close to Beijing. So, um, so this, this particularly would locate Iran and one of those game changer states uh, that China uh, relies on in their expansionist uh, approach in, into the Middle East and even uh, Africa to, to, to further control the um, Strait of Hormuz and the Strait of Mandab, the Indo-Pacific region, uh, all together. This is 
uh, also coincides again with the, with the Beijing's the Pakistani corridor uh, approach and a strategic plan to further contain India as as a regional rival and their influence in in the region. So what we see is here this strategic partnership between China and Iran affects the great power rivalry between the United States and China in again in the future. If it does include defense and security from an American perspective I guess that would not be very good for them. How would that affect the US's presence in the Persian Gulf if it does include a, a defense and security cooperation agreement in the deal and also how would that be potentially good for Iran? So far Beijing's global strategic approach was economically rationalized and had by by its very nature has been very economic and developmental rather than uh, militaristic. However, this may change in the course of time when China feels more confident and stronger in the global stage. When it comes to this, you know, Iranian uh, kind of a strategic comprehensive uh, plan, uh, although uh, the both sides have not made uh, the details public and they did not actually uh, release the specific about this uh, deal. However, what we see is that the draft detailed the almost $400 billion of uh, Chinese investment to, to be made in dozens of fields. Uh, yes, first of all, as I've said, it's more economically kind of uh, rationalized, such as banking, telecommunication, ports, railways, healthcare, and information technology in, over the next 25 years to be em- implemented. However, what we see that uh, there are also some agreements over military and security enhancement training and intelligence exchange between the two countries. On the other hand, China would receive a regular and according to Iran, an Iranian official oil trader that is with heavily discounted prices, supply of Iranian oil and gas to, to China. As I've said, again, the draft also called for deepening uh, military cooperation and perhaps some hub, military hub in the port of Jask in the southwestern uh, part of Iran. Uh, this is particularly important since we see or we have witnessed actually recently some of military exercises between Iran and China and even Russia in in the Arabian Sea in the past few years. The the plan or the agreement may also uh, include some joint uh, research and weapon development and uh, researchers, uh, and of course, again, intelligence sharing between Beijing and Tehran. So Iran has, in the past, has attempted to strategically balance its pursuit of interests between the East and the West. But does this partnership mean that Iran is betting on China and moving to the East? What we have seen in the aftermath of the nuclear deal signed between Iran and five other major powers in Vienna, 
was Iran's willingness to 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 approach uh, the West and to invest uh, or to attract some uh, Western investments. However, this has been followed is soon with uh, President Trump's withdrawal from the nuclear deal which further disappointed Iran with the Western and, and also uh, somehow damaged the, the confidence building between Iran and the West. And therefore, uh, I would uh, say that Iran has adopted a rather uh, look East a strategic plan to rely on China in its economic and technological kind of investments. Iran's economy, which was uh, suffering badly from the the maximum pressure uh, policies uh, adopted by President Trump at that time in the past four or five years, looking for an alternative to, to, to be able to to not only to, sur- to survive, but also to assure their the long-term uh, economic uh, benefit. Therefore, internally, the Sino-Iran strategic partnership can be an economic lifeline for Iran, for Iran saving its uh, sanctions heat, cash-strapped economy by assuring the sale of its oil and gas to China. In addition, Iran will be able to use its strategic ties with China as a bargaining chip in any possible future negotiations or the, indeed the current uh, ongoing negotiations between Iran and uh, some of the major uh, Western powers, uh, including United States and, and European powers. So these negotiations with the West by taking advantage of its ability to expand China's footprint in the Persian Gulf is something that Iran will use as a bargaining power. The China-Iran strategic partnership also proves that a United States maximum pressure strategy has been a failure, did not only fail in, in convincing Iran to meet the United States conditions, but also actually it pushed uh, Iran into the arms of China. So that is, uh, and probably in the future, Russia as well, in different ways. So in the long term, Iran's strategic proximity to to China uh, implies that Tehran is adopting the so-called Look East policy in order to boost its regional and military power and to defy and undermine U.S. power in the Persian Gulf uh, region and, and the entire Middle East. But on the other hand, for China, it's more about guaranteeing its energy security. So uh, as I've just mentioned, uh, the Persian Gulf supplies more than half of China's energy needs, uh, those uh, securing the freedom of navigation in the Persian Gulf is of so important for China. Therefore, this strategic plan, this comprehensive strategic plan, would benefit both and, and of course, again, undermines and challenges United States positioning uh, in the region and, of course, their pressure on Iran. So you mentioned that the, so Iran's turn to the East could potentially in the future lead it towards Russia in different ways. How mm-hmm. do you anticipate that Iran could move towards Russia? In what ways would you think it would move towards Russia in the future? 
What, what differentiates between Iran-Moscow or Iran-Russian's uh, relations and Iran-China's relation is that Iran relies on Russians more when it comes to the military technology and importing some uh, high-tech uh, and advanced uh, weapons, as we have again seen buying uh, S-300 weapons, whereas when it comes to it, to China, Iran relies on China more economically. So both sides, Iran attempts to have a, a kind of a balance between the two, however, in very different natures. Let's not forget that Russians don't need Iran's oil and gas, whereas Beijing needs it so desperately to support and fuel its growing economy. And again, uh, this is particularly important since China wants to diversify its source of energy security uh, rather than just relying on some of the suppliers which are closely allied with the United States and the Western powers. So Iran's, uh, the nature of Iran's relationship with Russians are more militaristic. Uh, and we have seen this again in Syria when Iranians convinced Russians to get uh, involved militarily and they have somehow cooperated successfully uh, in Syria. Could you potentially see a relation with, in the future between Putin and Iran, like Putin and Assad, or is that pushing it a bit too far? What differentiates China and Russians uh, kind of relationship with with the Middle Eastern powers compared to the Western powers is the fact that they are not, they do not necessarily care about the human rights, internal issues, democracy, and some other Western values. Whereas the, the, when it comes to, to United States, they, they do care about these authoritarian regimes, internal, domestic, and human rights record and, and policies altogether. And therefore, what we see is that, for instance, Beijing and, and Moscow both have relationship with every single state in the Middle East, simply because they do not care again about these uh, norms and values that are set by the Western powers. Whereas the United States is, is really difficult to have a relationship with everyone, including some of the authoritarian regimes in the, in the region. So United States, of course, is, is, is so concerned about uh, rapprochement between uh, Turkey and Russia, and therefore they are observing it so closely. So buying S-400 from Russia um, is, is a signal that undermines the relationship between Turkey and the Western powers, particularly since uh, Turkey is one of the NATO members uh, and as a result, it's such close military uh, relationship between Ankara and Moscow is, is so concerning for, for the Western powers. So before you were talking about how sanctions, like the US, Washington's maximum pressure under Trump and how sanctions have had, mm -hmm. had a devastating impact on Iran's economy. Mm -hmm. However, there are currently sanctions on both Iran and China. With the sanctions in place, mm. does that mean that the Sino-Iranian strategic partnership is quite limited in how much of it can actually be implemented? A Chinese business is limited with how much business they can actually conduct in Iran, or not really at all? 
Yes, they can actually. Chinese agreed to invest again uh, over $400 billion in Iran uh, over the next 25 years or so um, in exchange for uh, a supply of oil and gas from Iran, which would make it even easier for both countries not to to have a kind of a cash transaction between them. China would invest uh, in Iran and would get probably a discounted or or free oil just in, in case the banking system wouldn't allow Chinese to to pay for Iran's uh, oil uh, supply anyway. So the deal, uh, of course, would deepen China's influence uh, in Iran, uh, something that many, many elites in Iran would disagree with. Uh, However, this is inevitable, and um, it would undercut American efforts to keep Iran isolated, at least, and to, to survive economically, uh, particularly in the age of sanctions. This is, of course, it all depends on this, uh, the ongoing uh, negotiation between Iran and, uh, again, United States and European powers, and, and also uh, Russia and, and China in Vienna these days. What we see here is that the sanctions, of course, would, would affect Iran more effectively rather than China, because um, Chinese can simply just, again, benefit from these sanctions greatly the way that they have been benefiting in the past few years. And therefore, what we see is actually is not only China, but also Russians are benefiting from Iran's devastated relationship with, with the West by taking advantage of Iran's weak positions and to further get benefits from Iran's, particularly when it comes to the oil and gas uh, kind of uh, supplies. So what we see here is that probably even Moscow and Beijing are reluctant to to see the nuclear deal would be again re-signed soon between Iran and the Western powers. With the nuclear deal and the current news, well, today's news, as this is being recorded, so the election of a hardline president, is this going to affect the current indirect talks between Iran and the US and China cozying up to Iran and Iran cozying up to China? Can China play a constructive role in reigniting the joint comprehensive plan of action? And is it positioning itself as having a more central role in reviving it? Or is is all of this news together, the election and comprehensive strategic partnership, just one big wrench being thrown in the negotiations? When it comes to strategic uh, foreign policy decision-making, actually it's uh, often made by the supreme leader and, and the deep states, and particularly the National Security Council in Iran. Uh, rather than the president or any uh, uh, president, be it reformist, a hardliner, or the mod- or moderate, and therefore I wouldn't see any uh, particular change uh, when it comes to such a strategic and important decision making, particularly when it comes again to Tehran United States relationship. So the the the, the upcoming government in Iran led by uh, now probably President Raisi, 
will uh, not really differ or, or differ, uh, different from the, the past government, uh, the Rouhani's one. Again, this is particularly important since the ultimate decision maker and the, the most powerful figure in Iran is the supreme leader. And he will, and he and his surrounding kind of advisors would would, would decide about such um, such uh, agreements in 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 the future. And what about China's role in reigniting the JCPOA? Is that throwing a wrench in it, or is it is it positioning itself to have a more central role in the negotiations and reviving it? Well, uh, China would benefit from the, the deal. Uh, that, that would make, uh, make it easier for China to deal with Iran. Uh, however, they don't want a good relationship between Iran and the West. So they want a weak agreement between Tehran and the Western powers. Uh, here is a weak or minimized agreements. It means just Iran be able to, to interact economically with the rest of the world. However, when it comes to its nuclear project, it should be limited as the West uh, wants Iran to, to limit its um, nuclear activities. However, when it comes to the relationship, uh, China benefits from the, the deteriorated relationship between Iran and the West. However, again, it benefits from the deal somehow, uh, simply because it would make it easier for its company to invest in Iran without encountering problem with the, with the Western uh, sanctions. With China preferring, I guess, a weaker JCPOA, do you mind going into a bit more detail about how, say, China's favoured negotiation would be in comparison to the 2015 one? Uh, soon after the 2015 nuclear deal has been agreed upon, Iran uh, approached the West to invest in Iran so uh, massively. Uh, Iran signed actually a contract for over a few hundred billion dollars with, with the Western companies. Uh, but uh, it was only when, and, and China of course was very unhappy with this. They were uh, actually disappointed that after the nuclear deal, Iran sought actually Western investments uh, with a less actually approach to towards the East or to, towards China. However, when it comes to in the aftermath of President Trump's withdrawal from the nuclear deal, we see here that Iran would again never trust the, the Western powers, especially their investment and when it comes to the economy kind of relationship. Uh, therefore, Iran this time would heavily rely on Beijing in its 25 years kind of strategic plan to invest and to develop its economy internally. And this is, again, consequences that, that the 2018's withdrawal from the nuclear deal has achieved to put Iran into the arms of Chinese and, and of course, Russia. Uh, something that undermined uh, the Western uh, benefits and, and interest in the region. So Russia would also prefer a weaker JCPO revival? Yes, of course. They, they all okay. want, uh, they, they, they know that uh, given the Iran's a very 
strategic position in the in in the region geopolitically and economically kind of well located in the in the in the, in the Middle East these they they all both benefit from Iran's kind of uh, position and uh, the challenge because ideologically the, these three countries uh, and here I mean Iran China and Russia are ideologically anti-US or Western hegemonic uh, policies and approach. And therefore, this is what they benefit from Iran's, uh, again, deteriorated or or bad relationship with the West altogether. Do you think Mm -hmm. that if the JCPOA is signed, I guess, anytime in the near future, do you think that's the most likely outcome, that it will be a much weaker version of the previous one? Yes, definitely would be the weaker nuclear deal compared to the 2015. And of course, Iran is never the same. Iran this time would not trust uh, the West again. This is particularly important since today. We see that the hardliners are returned to power in Tehran and the hardliners are traditionally closer to to Moscow, actually, militarily uh, and economically to China. So they would heavily rely on these two in their investment, in their trade and business and military cooperation altogether. This is the result of a strategic kind of mistake made by President Trump in 2018 onward. The Syrian-Iranian strategic partnership has been in the works since 2016 but it was only recently signed on the 27th of March, 2021 in Tehran. But what is the significance of this timing? And in a way, was China holding on to this partnership until a prime opportunity in in which it could have maximum impact? I just find the timing a bit interesting Mm -hmm. in that I think it was first, I think Xi Jinping first brought it up in 2016, the idea of doing a partnership, but it was only signed this year. I know that timing, I think it did align with a 50-year anniversary in terms of relations between China and Iran. But is besides that date, is there another significance of the timing of this partnership with the mm-hmm. US okay. like being considerably weaker yeah. in the region? Is that yeah. an important indicator in why this time was chosen to sign it as well? Okay, so I'll look at it from more, more from Iran's point of view. So signing this contract again, again, raising the question of this Sino-Iranian strategic partnership in March 2021, actually it has coincided with Iran again reassuming negotiations with the United States and the European powers to revisit their the nuclear deal again. So raising this question was actually meant to put the West under more pressure that your your maximum pressure policy did not only fail, but also we have a greater uh, alternative, which is China. So therefore, it, it, it meant actually to, to increase Iran's bargaining power and to decrease the Western power's bargaining chip uh, when it comes to the negotiation. What do you think from China's perspective, the significance of the timing is? Chinese are, are again, uh, are happy with uh, any kind of any time with uh, any country 
to to enhance their relationship with uh, as long as the, it, it benefits them. So uh, there is no particular reason for the timing. I would like to finish off with a recommended reading for the listeners. So do you have yeah. anything in particular that you would like to recommend to everyone to read? Your audience are students in international relations often, right? So yeah. I would uh, recommend the, the evolution of international security studies by Barry Bozan and Lene Hansen. This is a great book that uh, deeply investigates the how the concept of security studies and security concept has been uh, evolved and uh, changed and uh, in the course of time from the, the, the Cold War on, on, up until today with particular focus on some of the key historical events. So uh, I would recommend this book to, to the students of um, international relations. I will add that to my list. I've never read that one before, so I'll add it to my reading list as well. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time and for taking your Saturday out to do this. I had a lot of fun. I thought it was very, very interesting. So I hope you enjoyed it as well. Well, actually, uh, I'm uh, running a course um, titled Iran in World Politics at the Center for Arab and Islamic Studies uh, here at ANU. And this course is, uh, presents an interdisciplinary overviews of politics and security in contemporary Iraq. It uh, also discusses the geopolitical and geostrategic and geographical importance of Iran for, uh, for the region. And, and of course, uh, for uh, internationally kind of and global changes, uh, what we have just discussed, the deep pluralism uh, that is ongoing. It also focuses on the key domestic security challenges to the states. Um, actually, uh, the course also explores some of the key divisions uh, that uh, uh, interna- internally and externally presents Iran. Uh, these interconnected divisions are um, national, uh, regional, and international altogether. So the course provides um, uh, an intellectual and analytical framework for engagement with the issues facing the region and Iran's linkage to them, with particular focus on on international relations and some explaining and elaborating on, on international relations theories and, and security um, uh, approach in uh, better understanding Iran and the new international order altogether.